Welcome to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Endless Europe and Friends. In this series, we will spotlight the people and projects driving change and innovation in Europe's energy sector. You can download this and all other episodes on endlit-europe.com slash podcasts. Now, let's start today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast, brought to you by Power Engineering International and Inlet Europe. Today, we're going to discuss COP26. With the event having come to an end, many had high expectations and have been left feeling underwhelmed by the lack of tangible progress made for global climate action. However, that said, the Glasgow Climate Pact solidified a path to achieving the Paris Agreement goals, gave rise to a number of emissions-reducing pledges, and saw developed nations commit to supporting the developing world move away from fossil fuels. Here to unpack the highs and the lows of this climate summit, and to answer the question, what now, we are joined by three of my esteemed colleagues, Paddy Young, Director of Inlet, Kelvin Ross, Editor-in-Chief of Power Engineering International and Inlet Europe, and Areti Ntaradimu, Editor of Smart Energy International and Content Director of Inlet Europe. Let's dive straight into this interesting topic. Uh, lady and gents, what did you think of COP26. Kelvin, I'm going to start with you. Hi, Pam. Thanks for inviting me today. Uh, what did I think of it? I think, as you said, that there were high expectations going into it. And you might argue in hindsight, yeah, arguably maybe may too high. We were continually told this is the last chance to, to get this right. And I, I'm not sure it, it, it was ever going to be the case that it was you were going to get a, a definitive um, set in stone outcome from these things. You also said, yeah, that there was some disappointment, perhaps that tangible progress wasn't being made. Look, a deal was done, and I think in hindsight, it was perhaps the best deal that you might have hoped for, all things considered. Um, I think the thing about these cops is, you know, they get it so far and they pass it on to the next one, which, you know, you might see as that, okay, that's just kicking the can down the road a bit. Um, but I'm not sure it is. So now all eyes move to Egypt next year and then beyond. There were other things that done that, that, that were set um, for, for 2023. I think there, there was progress. There was talk of a, finally, it's in black and white, there is talk of a, a coal phase. Okay, it's a coal phase down. It's not a coal phase out as, as it was intended to be. But I think just getting, um, as I say, in black and white, something on paper to, to for a coal phase down is progress, particularly for those countries that are really yeah, signed up to that. And the, there's the likes of Vietnam uh, and Poland. Um, and OK, India and China objected to the coal phase out. You know what? I kind of understand where India's climate minister was coming from uh, with the argument that, look, you know, you're asking us to decarbonize when we haven't even completely electrified. So, you know, let's do this one stage at a time. And I think you have to bear in mind that different countries are at different stages. So I think that was progress, the, the coal phase down. There was progress on zero emission cars. You know, an agreement was made between countries and car manufacturers to push ahead for, uh, for this. Now, OK, there's another caveat to that. The US and China didn't sign up. So you might argue, well, if they're not signing up, yeah, what, how, just what's the prospect of that to succeed? But I think, you know, neither of them ruled it out. So it's... It's, it's not great strides, it's baby steps. Um, actually, no, it's probably more than baby steps. It's probably toddler steps. Um, but, you know, it's underway. Yeah, I had, I had a sort of similar feeling, Kelvin. You know, there's all the rhetoric before, which is something I've noticed that 
the the cops that I've been very much aware of is that it happens. It's always the last chance. You know, this is this is it. So there's a a lot of uh, rhetoric beforehand, and then then it kicks off. I, I thought it was quite an interesting start. Obviously, with the apology from uh, Joe Biden, I thought that was quite an interesting uh, kickoff. He said he shouldn't, but then he went ahead and did it. So that for me was quite uh, a, a tone setter. Going back to the coal aspect, and it was something I didn't realise that India hadn't actually previously committed to these 2050 goals. So when the announcement was made first day, I was disappointed. But then you put it into the context that it's the first time they've actually put that down in writing that I thought, um, no, fair enough, that's that's good. It may, it may not be um, uh, in, in, in everyone else's time frame, but, but very interesting. Thank you for that, Paddy. Your thoughts, Areti? Are we talking toddler steps or giant leaps for mankind? Hey, Pam. Uh, thank you for uh, for inviting me too. Uh, no, I'm not as uh, optimistic as uh, Paddy and uh, and Kelvin. I wouldn't call it toddler uh, steps, maybe baby sp- steps, uh, because in the end, even though there was some sort of agreement, and even though words like methane was also part of the deal, which is quite good, and it was the first time actually that uh, that this happened. And also another good thing is that China and US managed to agree on something in general, doesn't matter if it is climate, they managed to agree, so I'm happy for that. However, what makes me feel like um, things are not as optimistic as they should be or not as good as they should be is the fact that we still have the, the issue that most vulnerable countries don't get funds to cope. We didn't say anything about that. And and rich countries did not give any sort of pledge when it comes to finance. So this for me is is quite the issue. And I fear that it might turn things not the way we want them to to be. Paddy, your thoughts? Yeah, no, no, my thoughts. Just just one point. The Indian element was disappointing, but I thought progress. So, and and the context uh, in in the total context, Areti, I absolutely agree with you. I think the sort of nationally determined contributions, the NDCs, if you add them all up, we're not going to make it. Um, and as Kelvin said, it's just going to roll on to Egypt, and and here we go, uh, and here we go again. Um, and then we'll have the same rhetoric. So on the whole, uh, disappointing. But I think the, the fact that methane was was mentioned, I think that's the global methane pledge, I think is important because it is the super sort of polluter, really, it really is. So I think, uh, I think that was good. Um, I think look at things like the deforestation element. But one thing I, I would say, and it wasn't specifically towards, um, you, you look at a lot of island nations, that they will struggle. But there was a progress with private sector where I think it was 500 uh, global financial services firms agreeing to 130 trillion. And I think the figure is it's 40 percent of the world's financial assets to work on the goals, the investments that are required to to get to the 1.5, not specifically allocated, which I think is um, is in, is not the way forward. But there was a commitment from financial um, institutions, which I thought, again, was was progress. And it's a lot of money. Absolutely, Paddy. Uh, it seems that there is consensus uh, that the corporate world really did show up to COP26, uh, which yeah. is encouraging. And I think, you know, that's something that we should definitely focus on. Areti, did you want to comment on that? Yes. I mean, the, the, the finance world did show up, but they didn't pledge on doing anything for sure. And I would like to bring your attention to what what is happening right now in Europe with the prices uh, on uh, on energy and how this can be actually a result of, uh, of our uh, efforts 
to become carbon uh, neutral. I mean, for example, can you go and tell the Greek people that now they have to pay uh, very expensive electricity bills, that the fossil fuel uh, factories that are not working anymore were to their ben benefit? Greece is now buying electricity from Bulgaria, which means that uh, the Greek people have to pay more in order to, to keep their lights on. So I think that we really don't have a very precise plan in Europe and in the world uh, in general. We have some really nice meetings where we discuss some really nice things, but I fear, and this is a fear, that in action we don't do much. We talk a lot about a lot of things that need to be done, but I fear that we don't do enough and we're not helping countries that have been hit immensely from the, uh, let's say, the, the, the crisis, the economic crisis, etc. We don't help them and this will bite us, I think. Thank you, Areti. Paddy, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, Kelvin, I'm not sure if you if you wanted to add something before I, I check in with Paddy. No, well, I was going to go back to, to Paddy's point about the the, the finances and the, and the investors t turning up, and they did turn up. And I take Aretti's point that you know they they may have turned up and and may not have necessarily agreed to a whole lot, but you know they they did agree for something. And you know I think part of the, the COP, any COP, is that it brings the whole energy, the, the whole you know, climate community together, of which investors are, are a key part. And you know as as a byproduct of it, it does gel them together and. And focus their minds because for them, you know, there's a huge number of financiers and investors who who are obliged to invest a portion of their funds into clean energy. Problem is, they just don't know what to do with it. They don't know enough about the, the sector. So, so for them, going to something like COP and, and getting an idea of, of where the key markets are helps them to put their money into what they think is going to be be a winner. So, um, yes, I, I also take Aretti's point. However, for all the highfalutin talk of decarbonising, the um, the end consumer is is rather at the mercy of the market, and the market will rather revert to type, if you like, as as we've seen this year with with, with gas prices. You know, having told you know consumers certainly in Europe that the, the, we need to empower you and you need to take control of your energy choices, suddenly when the gas prices rocket and a lot of the companies that they've opted to go for, the, the bottom falls out of their business and they're gone, then they're suddenly finding with themselves with actually no choice at all. So there is a bit of a disconnect between the high policy decisions that have been made. They don't quite filter down to, to the end consumer who's probably sitting there watching the news in Glasgow thinking, well, this is really nothing to do with me. I'm still paying through the nose for gas with a supplier that, that I didn't really want in the first place. Absolutely. Those issues are unfortunately felt by the common person on the street. Um, Paddy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is really a point where it's a time for action. You know, we, we're looking at Fair Transition Fund, um, and I think that they are available, but they need to be, um, people need to be more aware of them. And I know in Europe, they, they do look to support the coal producing regions. Um, they do look to support, um, because it's far more far reaching than just turning the light on. It's jobs, you know, it's income. And this is, you know, in some regions, um, particularly Poland, Greece, it's it's a fundamental 
fundamental source of income for whole communities. Um, so it's it's far more far-reaching than the turning the light on element. Um, and th- there was good examples, I think, but again, it's it's a very specific case. And I think that's the, the France, Germany, the UK, US and the EU looking at a just energy, energy transition partnership with South Africa, for example, to to move away from uh, from coal. And as a, as a European, it's, it seems a long way uh, from home when you see the sort of figure of eight and a half billion being the first uh, range of investment that's going there, which is great. Um, but again, it would be it would be nice to have a better understanding in Europe about what will be done for Greece, for example. It's a bit of a contradiction in uh, in many ways. On one hand, that's that's very good. On the other hand, there's a lot of instances where a, a not enough is being done. Thank you, Paddy. Uh, Ariti, anything you'd like to add? Yes, actually, uh, I wanted to say. Even though I, I dislike playing the devil's advocate role, the more I talk, the more I convince myself and scare myself, actually, about what is to come. Uh, I was reading, for example, and continuing on what uh, uh, Paddy said, I was reading what Franz Timmermans uh, said about this um, disagreement. So he said that it is his firm belief that the text that has been agreed upon reflects a balance of the interests of all parties and allows us to act with the urgency that is essential for our survival. Yes, it does take uh, the interests of all parties uh, into consideration, at least the rich parties. But uh, if it allows us to to act with the urgency that is needed, I don't think that is the case. And I think that that is not the case because we don't have a concrete plan. What Paddy said about how uh, what we're going to do for countries like Greece, and sorry for keeping keep having Greece as an example. I mean, it could be any other country, right? It's not only Greece. I don't think we really know how to handle these things because we talk about renewables, but we still don't know how to integrate them safely uh, and sustainably uh, uh, into the into the smart grid. We don't know how our smart grid will react. So we have so many things that we need to work upon before we start uh, closing down uh, factories, uh, etc. But we don't think about that. We just started closing factories, like, like uh, you know, like as if we were in a panic, which we should be because it is very important and uh, uh, the climate change is here and everything. But it seems to me that we don't have a concrete plan. And this, to be honest, scares me a little bit. I find that very interesting because we forget that these, if you forget aging infrastructure and elements like that, but you look at the far-reaching um, ambition of decarbonisation. You know, these these industrial um, uh, systems have been built up over years, and then to try and dismantle them with new technologies, new methods, and I, I literally do believe it's going to be that disruptive. If we want to uh, to decarbonise the transport system, if we want to de- decarbonise industry, if we want to fundamentally decarbonise the um, the power generation sector these the, the systems have been built up over years and it's going to take a lot of thought to deconstruct them and build build back better um, and that's that I find very very interesting and you have this urgency of this this ticking uh, ticking clock so for, for me what it leads to is the fact that we need to cooperate we need to share best practice we need to uh, understand and learn from each other we need to take the successes of Europe and share them with South Africa and the failures as well I hasten to add so for me I have the same feeling with Ereti it gets me very uh, passionate about this situation but it is a very difficult uh, situation 
You know, you've really highlighted, uh, I think, a very important aspect of the of the global energy transition. Yes, it's the energy transition, but it's not just about energy. It's about deep-seated changes to every fundamental part of our lives. And it's every sector, it's every industry, and we have to really make changes super rapidly fail fast learn fast innovate fast it, it's quite a it's quite a scary challenge in a way and i think this is what calls for the cooperation and for platforms to be created where we can actually start putting action behind these these policies and these promises so before i i move on to the next part of this discussion areti did you have a, a thought you wanted to share with us Yes, which I think will work as an assist for, for the next part of the discussion, perhaps. Uh, I don't want to leave everything in a pessimistic view. Uh, there are reasons for us to be optimists. And what makes me feel like perhaps we're going to make it in the end is when I see, uh, while creating the program for Enlit Europe, which will happen 30 uh, of November, 2nd of December uh, this year, I looked at all these brilliant experts, brilliant people working hard uh, in uh, trying to find ways to create our new future, let's say, the future of, of the energy in Europe and around the world, how they, they build ways to create a new kind of infrastructure for our smart grid to be able to accept the integration of renewables and things like that, for example, hydrogen being a very important aspect in this one too. So I think that the program of Elite Europe is a reason for us to, to feel optimistic about the future. At least this is how it works for me, working for it. Thank you, Ariti. And you're right, that does uh, move us on very nicely, actually, to the next part of this discussion, because I think a lot of people are left wondering, what now? What do we do with the leftovers of COP? How do we get the, the actions and the policies to actually start producing some effective change? And it is exciting because Inlit is around the corner and I'd like to get your views on, you know, what we can expect and how this really is the perfect time for an event of this nature. In fact, it's not, it's not an event as far as we are concerned. This is more like a calling. Kelvin, your thoughts? Well, it'll certainly be interesting. In Lit Europe is the first major gathering of the um, energy sector, certainly in Europe, since COP. So, so it will be good to to, to gauge the um, the temperature of, of what pe people are thinking there. And that's certainly it's what we're setting out to do throughout the whole three days. We'll be talking about the backdrop of COP and and and, and what's what's going to happen about it. But we'll be focusing on it in particular throughout one afternoon. We've got a whole series of of around twelve interviews where we'll be talking to key players from all aspects. Of the of the energy sector as to what they thought of uh, of COP and what they they might be you know, doing to to act upon it, which is not to say it kind of suggests that, that the entire energy sector is waiting there watching COP, thinking, oh right, now we need to we go and do this that or the other. When in fact, yeah, you know, most of them have, have been you know, on their own trajectory for years. So so they're very much aligned with with the thinking. That, that came out of Glasgow. Uh, and in a way, yeah, going to what, what Paddy says, there's, there's a slight disconnect where you've got all the policy making going on. And then at the other end, you've got the you've got the technology providers who will enable a lot of this thing to happen. And then the, the, there's a sort of middle ground where, where you almost need someone to sort of project manage this transition. And by getting all the people together under one roof, which is what we'll be doing in Milan, getting all the sectors together. So the power generation people, you know, the, the grids, the investors, they'll all be there. They'll all be there on that one stage over the course of three or four hours on the Tuesday afternoon. And you'll get some consensus and some plan and some blueprint as to what to do next. 
Thanks for that breakdown, Kelvin. Uh, Paddy, how excited are you for Milan? Hearing Aretti and Kelvin talk there, I get uh, I get very excited because this 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 is the uh, the thing. I, I look at this, I see how complex the situation is, and um, I'm very lucky to to be involved within Lit and European Utility Week as it was, and PowerGen as it was uh, before then. And I see, you know, I have great faith in people, and uh, I see some brilliant people, uh, brilliant minds coming together to to sort these solutions out. Predominantly, my focus is uh, is on Europe. So I see COP going on. And as Calvin says, the companies that will be involved within LIT are already working very hard. They're already working on these targets. There, there is so much that is going on in the field of innovation, whether that be in the form of projects, uh, whether that be the form of uh, new technologies. There's a lot of, what's the best way to describe that? There's there's a lot of encouragement, certainly in the European in, environment to, uh, to stimulate that. And then you see the global players that will be there. So yes, the COP is one thing. Yes, a lot was discussed. But the world around in lit, yes, policy regulations uh, are discussed because I believe that they're essential. They, they stimulate innovation and they will help uh, incentivize people to make the right decisions. But it's down to development of innovation, of developing a digital backbone, developing, accelerating the, the ambition around hydrogen and testing it and, 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 and seeing how it works. So for me, if I look at at Enlit, I'm just very excited about the sector coming together, talking face to face, seeing all the EU projects in the project zone, looking and walking around at uh, and and seeing the startups. We have a young talent program. You know, this there needs to be continuity in the sector. We need to attract brilliant minds, and uh, I believe that uh, when when we can engage with young talent, uh, young engineers, and they can see the good that they can do, I'm sure that will also help. So. Yeah, there's a lot going to be going on in Milan. I seriously can't wait. Thank you for that, Paddy. Kelvin, did you want to add something? Yeah, I'd just pick up on what Paddy mentioned there about the sort of you know, as, as, as the sector coming together. I think that spirit of collaboration, and you saw it at COP, and, and that's very much mirrored uh, in Inlet, and it's mirrored across the industry, actually. The energy sector has come to realise that no one person or company or, or even you know, particular sector has all the answers, and even if they have got all the answers, they can't do it all on their own. You know, so so it's become a very collaborative industry, which is why the lines with within that that, that industry are blurring more and more. So you know, power generation blurs into you know mobility and grids, and 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 all these things come together. And and I think that's what that's what you saw to a degree uh, at COP with all the people that were there. Um, there was a curious, just as, as an aside, there was a curious story that came out of COP where where someone said there was a huge you know, delegation from the power generation community turned up at COP as if this was would somehow be a surprise. Well, you would hope so, would you not? Um, and, but this was spun as as if they were they were there trying to you know lobby like Billio to to get things their way, which I'm actually not convinced was the case. But anyway, just uh, that one was worth mentioning. Um, but I think that spirit of of collaboration is is very much alive, and you can see it in action in some of the projects that that, that Paddy just mentioned there. 
and this is worldwide, but not just in Europe, but certainly there, there are many examples of them in Europe. If you want to decarbonize a port, you, you have multiple players involved. And if you look at any of those projects, whether it's you know, Hamburg or Rotterdam or, or any of the others, you've got you know, e-mobility in there, you've got hydrogen, you've got power generation in the form of renewables. Clearly, you've got the shipping industry involved because it's their port in the first place. So, and all these people coming together, I think is, uh, is the way forward. And, you know, that, that's what we're trying to do in Milan is get all these people quite literally under one roof talking to each other and to us. Thanks for that, Kelvin. Paddy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It is something within lit and, and more so going forward. But what, we, what we're trying to build now is this, this online platform where people can find information. We're trying to create this, this resource and something we see. And I think, uh, Areti, I'll be very curious on her opinion after this because she really is our, our champion of projects within, uh, within our business is the how diverse these consortiums are becoming you know you have industry with cities with utility with tech provider with a transportation company we we see this happening more and more which is a, a bundling of knowledge a bundling of experiences which i think will will have a, a fundamental um, impact on uh, on accelerating innovation and that goes back to my faith in in people in this uh, in this respect there's some brilliant people out there there is um, money entering the sector to help this and and really we want to develop in lit as a as a platform to help in this in this process we we really are that ambitious you know as you quite mentioned as you mentioned uh, at the beginning we don't view ourselves an, as an event we do we are creating this resource we do want to play a role we you know if you look at our team here we're a passionate bunch of people that want to make a difference so you know this this is it and you know we we can help so i think this shows the the sort of diversity of the people that will play a role in developing and uh, and helping the the energy sector work with other sectors to achieve these decarbonization goals Thank you, Paddy. Areti, we, we certainly know that you have no shortage of passion for the work that you do. How excited are, are you for Milan? What are your thoughts? Well, I am very much excited for various reasons. First of all, the human element. I will finally meet my friends, and I call them my friends, even though they are co-workers, even though they are the experts that we want to, to learn from. But how the years are passing and how we work closely together, we have become friends with most, most of them because we're not just a platform or just an event that connects people. We actually help them find what they're looking for, and we sometimes consult them. Uh, we sometimes uh, show them the way we guide them ourselves. So we're so much more. And uh, people seem to understand that. We have managed to create a community in Europe. Perhaps at some point we will be able to uh, expand this. But for now, in Europe, we have managed to create a community that works nicely together. And going back to, so I, I am looking forward to meet all those people again because I've missed them, to be honest. But uh, I would like also to make a comment on what Paddy said about projects. Uh, the projects are the best example I could think of, uh, of how we can actually make this uh, climate change thing turn around. The way COP26 could learn something, let's say, from projects and from the energy uh, sector. You have a project and you think that it's just a team of people in some small room in a utility, in a... a 
in, in a city, let's say in Palermo, for example, in Sicily. It's not like that. You have a collaboration of teams throughout Europe that work for one specific goal. You have a team in Palermo, a team in Copenhagen, a team in Paris, a team in Athens, working together, trying, for example, to show ways how storage can work uh, for hydrogen, for example. And they create pilots and they make these pilots into uh, actual things, things that live, things that, uh, that work. So I think that projects are the future of, uh, of the energy sector. They are the future of Europe and perhaps the future of uh, mankind, if I want to be a little bit, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I think there's always time to be a little bit dramatic. And it's true, uh, you know, and I think that's what makes it look great. We're going to learn more about these projects and these pilots that are making tangible differences and achieving success. And, you know, it is a global thing. That collaboration and, and where this is going is truly global. And I think what a place to be in Europe, in Milan, uh, actually showcasing this to the, to the world at large. I think it's very exciting. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot more time to delve into this. I feel like we could talk for hours. So I'm going to ask you for concluding thoughts. Kelvin, let's start with you. Anything you'd like to share with our, our audience before we finish off? I think what you see coming out of COP and, and also in the wider sector is there's a clear direction of travel. Everyone's on the same path with the policymakers, you know, the, the financiers and the technology providers. And, you know, the policies are, OK, by and large in place. I know we've just spent the last however long saying how they fell short, but essentially they're all trying to get to the same destination. The technology is pretty much there already. And even if in some cases it isn't there, they know how to get it there, you know. We, we can engineer our way out of this. And the finance is there. The finances just need to know exactly where to direct it to. So there's just a joining of the dots between all these three things. And it's like a you know, lightly shady path at the moment. It's not crystal clear. Uh, and I think that's the point of COP. That's what we were trying to do in Inlet. And that's the job of the, everyone collaboratively in the sector is to try and just highlight spotlight exactly what that path is so everyone can get on the same same path together everyone wants to go in the same direction they're just not 100 percent sure how to get there at the moment thanks kelvin so basically we've got the recipe and the ingredients now it's time to get all the chefs together to make sure we get this thing right paddy your thoughts yeah i completely uh, agree with uh, with what kelvin has said there as i say i'm yeah i'm a believer people can make a difference and will make a difference and the, all the ingredients are there. I just want to come away from Egypt next year with not the feeling that we've just managed to keep this deal alive. It just has a faint heartbeat. I want us to come away from there, not looking to, to the next, what's going to happen 12 months later, but to have made a real difference and that, that the heartbeat is strong behind this, uh, this agreement and, and that we can really push on with direction and, and start making a difference, really making all the rhetoric mean something. Well said, Paddy. Ariti, your final thoughts? Well, I would say that the Paris Agreement was a good start. COP now is an okay a relatively okay continuation of the Paris Agreement. And now it's up to initiatives like Enlit Europe to, to make this happen. I couldn't have said it better. Kelvin, Paddy, Aretti, it has been an absolute pleasure and I hope we can do this again sometime. But for now, uh, let's get on with the preparation for what is going to be an absolutely smashing event in Milan. I can't wait. And uh, I hope that all of our, our listeners will join us there. We would love to see you. For now, thank you for listening and we'll chat to you soon. Take care.
Ciao. You've been listening to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Enlit Europe and friends. You can listen again and hear all other episodes on enlit-europe.com slash podcasts. And don't forget to catch up on our other great digital content on our 365 platform, enlit-europe.com.